we almost forgot to do the pre-show. Mm. We were getting our music ready and everything, and basically ready to do the intro. And uh, four thirty-eight now, right? Yes. I just put all this stuff in the template. That's not good. Hi, everybody. Hey. So I showed up a little bit early today because I was hoping to um, do a little teaching with with Allie, but she wasn't into it. No, she sprained her ankle on Thursday, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just when you're in pain, you're a bit cranky. She didn't really want to do much of anything today. She went and cheered on her team for soccer. That's the one thing she wanted to do mm-hmm. is go watch her team play. And then uh, we did a couple takes for Allie Makes, but. You know, she wasn't really into it, so we. I'm not even sure if it's. I think the my. I think the two takes we got done, we took enough that we got something usable. But it takes her like four or five run-throughs before she sounds more natural and mm-hmm. not as robotic. Uh, you gave me some good feedback on the Power Flower one. Yes, and I. She wanted to get something up. I was wanted to get something up. Yeah, I wasn't happy with the entire thing, but I mean, you had some good points. I already had some things, so you know, we're just going to lesson learned, right? We're going to slow down, right. going to get the good takes. We're going to explain things. The the power flower was different than the circuit kit one because it was already done. It was made eight months ago. No, I, I understand and, that, and so. I, I yes, I'm getting to the point you made right. Like actually describe how the makey makey works, and, I, and that's that's a great idea. That's on the list now. Right. Just just a bare makey makey, and just you know get describe how it works. I mean the, the the point like so when I saw it, I was a little disappointed because I thought the first one you guys did was great, and I was really into it. I, I thought the production of it was good. I thought Allie was good at, at doing the hosting and and, mm-hmm. and doing the the mechanics of the stuff and describing what she was doing Mm -hmm. uh then you did one where it was just her talking about school so i was like that seems a little kind of weird and not like what the rest of of, of the channel was telling me it was going to be and then this next one came out and it was like ali is explaining this thing but she's not really explaining it she's showing something that i never really got an idea of what it was that she did or i mean okay i I saw that it played notes Mm -hmm. and it lit up but like she didn't explain why you had to touch the the conductive thing to press the buttons. Like mm-hmm. I mean, I, my in my in my head, I was thinking she should have like brought out a wire and said, if you if you put a wire between these two, you'll see it works. But you can use your body as a wire. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I, mean, I, I agree. That yeah. was good feedback. Um, we used some takes where she was still stiff. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't do enough takes. Um. Yeah, lesson learned. It's our it was our third video, so it's gonna Second, take time. It's yeah. gonna take time. The um, so you know this this one this one's going to be putting the whole project together from inception through completion. So it's gonna take some work and I mean some trial and error scenes and some experimentation, you know, stuff like that. So it's gonna take a while to get that one out. Um. And then she's doing that thing on Thursdays, that Steam Studio she was telling you about with the chain reaction thing. I've been giving her 
one of the old iPhones to go in video. I haven't looked at any of the footage yet. It's the same project four weeks in a row. Like this have four hour sessions to build this thing. Mm -hmm. So next Thursday will be the one where they actually test their machine. I'll look at the footage she collected and see if it's usable, but you know, she's kind of doing it all at that one. So we'll see how that turns out. That's, that's in the queue. And then we got a whole long list of making printed circuit boards, making, making three doodler, 3d printing intro to Tinkercad, I mean, big long list of things. Mm -hmm. And she'll just pick off the list. But uh, the top two are probably going to be the the wearable with the NeoPixel thing, you know, the stuff I showed you. She's going to do a wearable a scarf or a shirt or a skirt or something that uh, lights up and is responsive to your movements, I think is the inspiration I gave her, and she's going to go with it. But, you know, now it's like her figuring out how to execute with the methods that I'm providing, you know, just like we did with the Power Flower. Um and then, you know, she's anxious for all the parts to come from China to do her printer robot, you know, the drawing robot. Mm -hmm. So that'll be one that she really wants to do because that I gave her the inspiration for the wearable lighting thing. But, you know, the, the drawing robot was her idea. Now, her initial idea was a robot arm that held a pen and drew or changing that to more of a plotter type thing. She's still happy, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, there's your idea. This is a proven way to do that. You know, that kind of thing. Just trying to teach her through right. those methods. Um, so, yeah, I'm starting to get a little collection of bits and pieces over here. Like, here's the, the motor controller for the um, the drawing robot. Uh, here's some bearings for the uh, the belts, you know, so pieces are coming here and there. You know, getting this from China, you know. This little two one and a half inch long, half inch in diameter container of ten tiny little bearings, um, four bucks, you know, from China. But you have to wait a month for it to show up. So I was going to talk to Ali about Newton's three laws was my idea. Now I wasn't really going to go much deep into the second one because the second one is. A math term, really. Mm -hmm. But I was going to explain the second one as describing what a force is, where a force is one object interacting with another. That's really what the second one is talking about. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's actually talking about something a little, a little bit more advanced than that, but that's sort of what it is. So my, my idea was thinking the first law, or really I was going to call them observations because I think the law is like not a... Mm -hmm. not a good term anymore. But my thinking was the first observation is simply what what movement is that things uh, are always going to be moving unless they're stopped by something else. And I was going to demonstrate that with a ball. Mm -hmm. And I was going to, you know, throw a ball and, and move a ball across uh, across the ground and see how it does slow down because it's in contact. And that would be sort of the second law. And then the third law, what I had for my idea, was to get a piece of double-ply tinfoil and one of Max's guns. Uh, Nerf dart guns because mm -hmm. the third law is the one that always that I I told you I didn't even get really until I was like eighteen or nineteen so okay. until I was uh, at least twice Allie's age I mean I I knew it, but I didn't like get it so I was hoping to to really present it in a way that hopefully would make people to make Allie understand and make it clearer to people because when you hear every action as an equal and opposite reaction that doesn't I mean that doesn't 
to the heart of it. So the idea is, of course, if the dart is flying in the air, it's going to continue flying on some sort of ballistic trajectory. I'm not going to get into that terminology, but it's going to continue flying in the air. If it hits the foil, the foil, hopefully, is strong enough to make a dent in the foil. And so you can definitely see the dart had an impact on the foil Mm -hmm. because it made a dent. But you also see that the dart stopped moving because the foil had an impact on the dart. And that's how I was going to get into, that's what the third law says, is that Mm -hmm. even though it pushes on the foil, the foil also pushes back. Right. Yes. Good. That would have been a good way to do it. Get her again next week when she's Mm -hmm. not in pain. (laughs) That's something I wanted to talk about. What was it? Shit. I'm like, oh, that'll be a great pre-show thing. And it wasn't Allie Makes. It probably wasn't that today's the end of the world, but how's your last day on Earth going? Um, so, So far, so good. Uh, uh, so best I can tell, there was like one numerologist with a vague Bible claim, mm-hmm. not even stating anything specific. Right, and it got picked up by like the worldwide news media. Well, of course, because they, you know those are silly. But the other thing was that it was not it was this numerology thing that was also based on the eclipse that just happened as being which just happened for a time, you know for the United States it was a big event for the US, for the US but it was not like i mean eclipses happen every year and a <laughs> half every year and a half so why would this one be the one that was so it was really dumb um you want you mentioned the humble book bumble, bundle humble bundle yeah humble yeah. bumble bumble which has essential oil for, for beginners, chakra healing, crystals for healing, sex potions for everybody. Everybody. Not everybody. Everybody. And uh, so the humble bundles are, if you're not familiar, it's this thing where generally it's like tech books or uh, maker books, you know, the ones that mm-hmm. I've noticed. But I mean, they, they do other genres too. I think it started with games. I think it started with. Yeah, they, and they have like where you can games. get. Indie games and stuff too, and it, it's there's it's like, like pay three, what you want, right? It's pay what you want. There's three tiers. If you pay a dollar to fourteen dollars, or pay a dollar to nine dollars, you get the smallest bundle, which is five or six books. Then there's like a price up to fifteen, and then there's at fifteen dollars you unlock everything, and then you can pay as much as you want above that if you're you know, and then you can also pick like what charity gets portions of the money at the bottom. And I've, I bought like three or four humble bundles so far, different tech books, maker books, things like that. They just give you the PDFs, right? They're not hard print books. And then this one came across my email where it's all like self-help. It's, it's titled self-help, but then I started scrolling through it and it's like healing crystals. I'm like, oh, why couldn't the healing crystals be at the $1 level? <laughs> It's at the $15 level, unfortunately. I think the sex positions or potions for every body is a $10 level. Let's see. So you mentioned... Hey, little boy. If you can hear me, I'll grant you a wish. That was really... 
You fuck with squirrels, Morty. <laughs> He's looking at us. He's just a boy. <laughs> Call Cynthia. Tell me impossible Doolittle. <laughs> and then you're know, talking about Argentina. <laughs> Basically, the squirrels are the Illuminati. Right. Yeah. Ruling the world. It's a, it's a Rick and Morty episode, and it was a one of many. You know, it was a, like a anthology of of different. Uh, Marty's mind blowers. Marty's mind blowers. <laughs> was not my favorite episode of the season, but it was fun. Yeah, there was there was definitely some fun parts, and then at the end, when summer is this a level three? Oh, oh it's, it's level a level four. <laughs> I don't get paid enough for this shit. <laughs> summer, you bitch! Why'd you let us sleep during house during interdimensional cable? <laughs> um. I did also mention that I so one of uh, the clients that we had at work was Hamilton County in Indiana, and I was working, and I couldn't get <laughs> Alexander Hamilton song in my head. What's your name? Ooh. Hamilton <laughs> County, Indiana. <laughs> it doesn't quite fit. Uh, see all that. Oh man, what a Trump week, right? Like, not even like the serious, like, this is all like nonsense, like crazy Trump week. First you got Trump and Kim Jong-un. Right. Having, having a five-year-old, like, you know. Five-year-olds with nukes. And then he, you know, shits Kim on Jong- the, okay. he shits on the NFL. Yeah. Did you see my tweet about that? Yeah. 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 And then did you see that Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors doesn't want to go wasn't going to go to the White House and then Trump disinvited him <laughs> from the White House it happened just today I think oh, it's blowing the fuck up so he Trump tweeted back find it it's like being invited to the hype I don't follow Trump well you don't have to follow him you just have to follow not. anybody today but, but I do follow the the Trump uh Trump press release he, he, I showed you that <laughs> yeah, one right yeah, yeah. The, but the um, Steph Curry thing is, uh, he's like, being invited to the White House is a, an honor. And if you hesitate, then you don't deserve to come. You're disinvited. <laughs> and then, like, everybody. Roger from- Goodell of the NFL just put out a statement trying to justify the total disrespect certain players show to our country. Tell them to stand. <laughs> Fucking... <sighs> it's uh interesting yeah it's been a weekend for for trump just picking the dumb fights that's what he does yep uh trump trump is a uh, trump is trump so one thing that i uh is that here damn it your laptop's still Running its fan like crazy. Do you remember? I think it's this tweet deck. Do you remember um, the story about the Facebook computers that were talking to one another? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like misinformation going on about that story when I finally yes. read into it. Because a lot of people were like, oh my God, those computers are, are talking to each other in code, and Facebook shut them down before they could go further. And when you actually read into what happened, that's not at all what happened. No. They were designing 
bots to talk to each other in English to make deals with each other. Essentially, they were they were designing these these things so that they could, in English, get the best deals. It's sort of an AI experiment. Yeah. Uh, and eventually, the bots they let them sort of go, and the bots sort of found their way into using English words but not English sentences to convey ideas that right. were read as gibberish if you just looked at the English. Now, you could go into the code and figure out what the computers were saying to each other and how they were interpreting mm -hmm. it, but if you read it as English, it would just look like a bunch of jumble and absurd. And Facebook shut it down, not because they were like, oh my God, where is this going to go? But they were just like, that's not what we intended to design. We wanted to design something that talks to you in English. Yes, because they want to have a human on the other end. Right. Um, however, there was an article I read about that that kind of was past the, the crazy headline. And this kind of AI where computers can do a handshake and develop their own API. Basically, you you have a service, you give it an AI API endpoint. Someone else builds another service, they have an AI API endpoint. Mm -hmm. They connect them to each other and the services figure each other out. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing is interesting, right? And that's what modems have been doing forever. You but no, they're still using a, a spec, right? These are more of you know, they're just how this how they'd invented their own language to haggle in the Facebook thing, you know, you just basically have this open endpoint and the systems will learn how to, to use each other, you know. That that might be a little um hoping for the best because they could just as easily figure out how not to you know, you'd have to give them some incentive to try to figure it out. But it's really interesting, right? Because you Incentive could... Incentive might not be the right word. Directive is probably yeah. not the right word. Yeah. Yeah. The, um... I guess you... I guess you can't really give them incentives. Yes. <laughs> you can give them rewards. I don't know. You can't no, you can't. Because it's, it's a computer. It just follows your instructions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, like, the Facebook thing wasn't follow like the the outcome clear here Remember, com yeah computers are turing machines they simply follow instructions uh there is no computer that's been designed that is not fundamentally a turing machine so with that in mind there is no such thing as incentivizing or giving rewards to a turing machine it simply follows instructions essentially one by one i mean you can design ones to do things in parallel and stuff like that but it simply is following instructions but when you have AI learning, you know, figuring things out, then you, you have can... a, a program on top of the Turing machine that may be doing its own evaluations and things like that. But right. at at the but you have to you have to almost build an incentive engine, right, where it has something mm -hmm. along the lines of check the results. Is it along the lines of what you want? Yes. If so, reinforce. Yes. If not, so you can make reprimand. A, so you can make a a more complicated set of tables to instruct it on on certain things but at the end at least as far as i know computers are never deciding based on um gut feels 
they still go back to data. Well, I don't know. Well, maybe when you get into a neural network, of one that is strengthened along a certain area mm-hmm. would not. Right. Could that's be what, that's kind of what I meant by incentives yeah. or reinforcements, yeah. you know, where you just have to have this incentive engine mm-hmm. that is so core to the AI that it is one of the primary motivators on how it's going to decide to do something and you know which method it's going to prefer you know which one it deems is more successful it is interesting to go into we talked about designability before right and the the halting problem i'm not sure probably but i'm not sure what you mean uh one of the big questions in in the uh late 19th and early 20th century was whether whether math could be completed whether there were certain whether with the axioms of of logic and 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 math um you could make a complete version that didn't have any holes in it uh and ultimately it was uh figured out really by by girdle first came up with the um the um incompleteness theorems that said any any sophisticated enough logical system capable of doing such things as arithmetic will have to at some point be self-referential, so it cannot be complete. Uh, and then Turing came up with that there are actually problems that are therefore undecidable. You okay. can ask certain questions that don't that based on what we based on the axioms of how we build something, you cannot get yes or no answers. Okay. And he, he designed that essentially by coming up with the halting problem, or what is now called the halting problem, which is can can you design a machine that will figure out whether a program that whether any program in any machine will at some point halt, will at some point come to its conclusion or will run forever. Okay. So you so he so the machine Based on you give it what uh, some program and what the inputs are, and it decides. It tells you, yes, this program will come, will, will solve, will solve the problem or halt in some way, or okay. no, this program will just run forever and, and never do it. And he proved that you can't do it. He proved it by contradiction, and it's interesting what he did. He came up with, well, he proved that. I want to make this clear. He proved that there could be no universal machine that could do this. Okay. Um, he came up with this concept of, okay, let's prove it by saying, let's imagine there is one. Let's imagine you have this machine called H. That whatever you put into it, you put into it a program, and you put into it the inputs. Mm-hmm. And it says, yes or no. Yes, it will halt, or no, it will not halt. And I guess it's not allowed to run the program? No, no, no. Or- Okay. It can run itself. Okay. We call that machine H. Okay. And now he said, wait a minute. What if you take this machine H and you put it inside of another machine? And all this other machine does is it switches the outputs. <laughs> so if it gives a yes, it gives a no. If it gives a no, it gives a yes. Okay. Right? That's all it does. We'll call this machine H+. plus. All right. So now you have this machine H plus. You put you put in a program. You put in the inputs. 
anything you put into the per- to H, it will give you a yes or no. Anything you put into H plus, it will give you the opposite of what okay. you said. What happens if you put H plus into H plus? What's the outcome? Same as H. You get the... It's undecidable. Because if it would be a yes, it'll give you a no. If it would be a no, it'll give you a yes. There's no way that this machine can work. So the H machine can't work. Machine, H plus machine. So you have a H machine inside an H plus machine inside an H plus machine. No, no, it's just it's just an H plus machine. But the H plus machine has an H machine in. The the H plus machine has H it is an H plus mach, is an H machine with this thing that 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 yeah. turns it around. Right. But what you're feeding into the machine is not H. You're feeding into the machine H plus. Oh. Because you should be able to do that. It's a universal machine. So you're not feeding it a program anymore. You're just feeding it... Well, you're feeding it the program that H plus... I mean, because H... But it doesn't output a program. It outputs yes or no. Yes or no. So what would H output for H plus? What would H plus output for H plus? Okay. Essentially... What you've he's, what he's done is he's deliberately constructed a machine that never halts, which shows that you can't make a machine that will, um, that that, uh, if you have H, then you can't then you will make a machine that won't allow H to work correctly, so H can't work correctly. So his imaginary machine, who don't we don't know how it creates H, can't exist because if you just did this, this this logical stuff, it okay. would it would mess it up and it would make it so it would it wouldn't work. Proof by contradiction, essentially. Okay, I'm missing something. It's it's a little bit harder if you boil it down to the barber paradox. It's a little bit easier to to get. Okay. I think. What's the barber? So paradox? the barber paradox is, you have a village somewhere, mm-hmm. and there. Uh, it's a village of only men, uh, and there is a rule in the village. There, the rule in the village is there are two rules. One rule: no one can have beard in the village. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the second rule is those. Who cannot shave themselves must be shaved by the barber. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, no one can have a beard. Everyone must be shaved. Those who cannot shave themselves must be shaved by the barber. Okay. Who shaves the barber? I presume himself. He should have the skills to do so. Those who cannot shave themselves must be shaved by the barber. Right. So there's those who can shave themselves. Why can't the barber be one of those? Because the barber can only shave other people. 
Well, you didn't say that. Well, that's that's so the implication being that if <laughs> so, if you can shave yourself, then you're not shaved by then you're not shaved by the barber. Right. If you can shave yourself, oh. then you're not shaved by the barber. If you can't oh. shave yourself, then you are shaved by right. the barber. And oh wait, are you saying that if you can shave yourself, you're you are a barber? Is that what you're no. saying? No. Oh. If you if you can shave yourself, then you. <laughs> Do you have this like backwards in some? No, no, no. It, it, it's it's right. Those who cannot shave themselves must be shaved by the barber. Yes. Okay. So the barber, if he shaves himself, that means that he cannot shave himself. How so? I don't see that. Because if you're shaved by the barber, yes. that means you cannot shave yourself. Yes. Okay. So the barber can't shave himself because that means he cannot shave himself. Oh, if if you cannot shave yourself, you are shaved by the barber. Right, okay. If the barber shaves himself, that means he cannot shave himself. So the barber, it's a paradox. You can't have... I see, okay. So that's the idea. With those two laws, there is no solution. You can invent other things, right? Maybe the bar, You can invent a law saying the barber... The barber is the only one who can have a beard. Okay, that that solves that problem, right? But with these two, or the barber is a woman, but we said is is a place of his village of men, or there are multiple barbers. But you you get the idea. If you have a small enough set of of things, and the circumstances lead to a paradox, it's undecidable. There is no answer to that question. Okay. Gotcha. I see it now. I was putting a little too much uh, common sense into it. Mm-hmm. You have to take out the common yeah, sense. Yeah, you absolutely. You have to. You have to uh, boil it down to the very to the very basic structure of. I was thinking of the of, premises. I was, yes, yes. I was thinking: shave yourself at home, or go to the barber. Well, the barber shaves himself at home. It's not going to the barber, right? Right. It's funny looking. I mean, because I like when you first first hear this. Yeah, you're going to be like, wait, what? And you're going to be thinking about it. And I will promise you, that people have thought about this thing for you know hundreds of years. People smarter than you and I both mm-hmm. combined, uh, uh, like ten times smarter than you and I both combined, and have not been able <laughs> to say, okay, there's an answer to this issue. But at the same time, you're still like, wait a minute, wait, that doesn't sound wait what? But when you really do think about it, and you and you understand the. That you're talking simply about the very logical, the the, the very simple logical basis. The barber has alopecia, right? The barber, yeah, does not <laughs> grow a beard. Barber has alopecia. Mm-hmm. Answer. See, smartest person on earth, right? <laughs> cool. Yeah, that, that's the core of the undecidability problem, right there. Because it, it can really all be boiled down to essentially this problem: the barber problem. Mm-hmm. There was a 
what the heck was it? There was a, um, I was doing a puzzle a while ago where, um, you'd put, you know, computer, almost like your H and H plus machines where they'd flip flop the answers and they were arranged in such a way that you, you know, you had to kind of iterate through it to figure out, but the answer was determinable. I thought that's maybe, you know, when you started talking about the H plus machines, I was wondering if the puzzle, I can't remember enough about the puzzle though, how it went, but it's like, you know, it was it was almost statements like the barber thing, like all A's are B's, but not all B's, mm-hmm. you know, something like that, yeah. right? And then, but it had something to do with if you went into, that's, or maybe it was doorways, but, you know, one of them was, uh, would inverse it, you know, uh-huh. and you could only look in two doors, but you had to figure out which one was definitely the door, or that's what it was, you you could ask a person a question and one would tell you the truth and, and the other you? one would lie to you. Yes, yes. And you and the question is what question can you ask to be to be sure of what door to go into? Right. And the answer is, I think, what would that what would the other person say? Yeah. Something along yeah, that yeah. that's what the question was. Yeah. yeah, the one would tell you the truth, one would lie to you, and you had to figure out how to determine which door was the right door and so if you ask what would that other person say then you then you do what the opposite of they say Mm -hmm. and yeah it all it all comes out to if you put in the right number of negatives in there you know it all Mm -hmm. all, you get a determinate answer so but the the interesting thing about the halting problem is like i was saying the the point that that turing did was he said okay if you have some machine that that is that a that can decide whether all inputs are decidable, then you can construct a machine that would make that machine invalid. So therefore, such a machine can't exist. Essentially, by by showing you deliberately construct a machine that makes the machine not work, and therefore the machine can't work. Okay. Because it, it's a universal machine. So. Gotcha. Just like the beards. Just like the beards. Yeah, you gotta like you gotta take out the, the the part of you that's like, well, you know, if you just chopped off that H plus part, that's fine. But <laughs> you have to take that all into consideration, unfortunately, okay. for for the logic part of it to work. But when you then apply that to 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 systems, you then find that you do run into these problems. You do run into undecidable problems, problems that don't have lot. You can't just use logic to get to to answer them. They they simply that you just don't have enough information or the information isn't complete enough mm-hmm. to give you the solution. Give you a yes, no solution to every problem. Yes. Cool bit of work by Alan Turing. Yep. Cassini crashed into Saturn this week. Technically melted. Vaporized, yeah. It was, a, it was a very, very successful mission. Very successful mission. But I just saw, because uh, I watched a couple documentaries. I watched one, I watched two about Cassini, the Nova one and the Horizon one. The Horizon one was better. And then I watched this PBS documentary about Voyager, mm-hmm. and it was fantastic. Uh, highly, highly recommended. It was, it was as good a science documentary uh, as I've seen, really. And it was... Because it was very, 
uh, it was like a movie. It was it was so well done. It had so much cultural stuff in it. It it was uh, it, it it was structured well. It had a, lots of really great music. It had lots of great visuals. It had lots of uh, interesting things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Right. So I would highly recommend that if that. I think it's called the. What is it called? Damn it. Uh, the, not the immortal, but like, it was something like that. There was um, a couple months ago. There was a story. I think it was either Washington Post or New York Times. I think it was New York Times that had a story about Voyager, and basically how. The farthest. Okay. Uh, it you can I think you can get it on PBS dot com. Uh, just. Just watch it. All right, it's I will. They're talking about the the crew for Voyager, or you know the the not the crew, the staff. You know the what's that called? People that work on the mission control. You know, people have been on that mission for forty, almost fifty years now, and um, oh, actually more. I guess fifty years, and uh, just talking about the guys of people have spent their entire careers on Voyager, and. Like the people who maintain them, like you know, this old guy in his eighties is you know teaching this archaic programming mm-hmm. language to like a thirty-year-old you know student, you know graduate student type thing, so she can carry on the mantle of you know maintaining Voyager until mm-hmm. it finally craps out. And which may not be till like what twenty fifty, I think, based on how much energy they have. I thought it was before that, but I, I, I don't know. Not sure, but that was it was a very, very striking article. And then, I think it was the Times just did one on Cassini, and you know, just some of these missions. I mean, Cassini started its planning in like eighty two, eighty three. It launched in ninety seven. It was a billion dollars at the on the launch pad, and four billion dollars by the time it you know uh-huh. vaporized in Saturn's atmosphere. Practically everything went right, unlike Galileo, where the high-gain antenna never opened. Right. So Galileo was crippled its entire mission. But they got a ton of great science out of Galileo, too. Uh, yeah, so it, it's kind of it's kind of sad, you know, that these big, grand missions... I mean, we've still got New Horizons. They're going to be hitting... Uh, doing a flyby January 2019, I think. Uh-huh. So... Year a little year and a half away, there'll be another flyby against a Kuiper Belt object, and then they're going to try to the the current mission for New Horizons is the flyby. I think two and a half years to get all the data downloaded, and then they're going to try to do a tertiary follow-on mission and and fly past one more. That is an ion engine, right? No, no. I thought New Horizons had an ion engine. Be wrong. Okay. No, no. It was like it, it was. It was the the fastest thing that we had. Yeah, we used like a centaur. We, yeah. you know, we we launched it with like everything we had, and then it got some major gravity assists. I, I meant to look this up just this week. I wanted to know like when, since it's going so fast, it's going to pass Voyager at some point. Voyager has like a thirty-five year head start. No, I thought it wouldn't. I thought that because of its trajectory, it wouldn't like. Voyager oh. is is headed out, uh, and Deep I mean, Horizons as fast as I'm good, talking about won't ever pass Voyager. For never get further from the sun than Voyager. I don't think so. Huh. I figured it. It's speed. It would have to. 
it's not just about speed, it's also about trajectory. So yeah. eventually, Deep Horizons will be pulled back towards the sun, whereas Voyager is on an... Oh, okay. It's, it's, it's hyperbolically away, okay. so it's, it's, it's on an escape trajectory. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So... I mean, there's, there's a lot you have to consider with orbital dynamics. You know, it's not just speed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but, uh, so, I mean, there are grand missions. The James Webb yeah. Space Telescope is a pretty grand mission. Uh, yeah, that's that's the big one. I can't think of anything else that's actually in production right now. Mars 2020? Oh, okay. Yeah, Space Telescope is at Goddard, right? So it's pretty close. You can yeah. hear more about that than ones that are happening in Jet Propulsion Lab or whatnot. You know, JPL is kind of the crown jewel of mm-hmm. space exploration. So, yeah, March 2020, which is kind of basically a lot like Curiosity. But I think there's there's... It's going to have a sample return system. It's oh, not going right. to It's not going to return, but it's going to be able to collect things for an eventual return mission is how they're planning it. Oh, okay. It will collect things and then leave it down on the surface, and then another mission will come and retrieve it, is the idea. Wait, get it off the surface, or is it just kind of gathering? No, it's going to leave it on the surface. Oh, so it's just going to put it in a little package and... <laughs> Basically. that That's hardly a... I don't know if you can call that any part of sample return. It's just... Well, you're... Well, so the 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 consideration is, I mean, everything you send to Mars is expensive. Every time you do anything like that, there's a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So you want to build a good scientific instrument that can go around and collect the samples you want. Oh, okay. And then you get you build a system that's just designed to go there and grab it and come back. And I think part of the system is, you know, it goes there with both an orbiter and. Uh, a, a retrieval system mm-hmm. and the retrieval system goes down to the planet, grabs it, goes back up to the orbiter, meets mm-hmm. with the orbiter. The orbiter takes it and then uh, flies back to Earth. Make it sound so easy. <laughs> it's a complicated set of circumstances, but the but if you put that all into one mission, then you're yeah, I guess you're right. If you're talking about collecting high value things, I guess that's okay. I guess that makes sense. You figure the first time we would ever do a sample return, it would just be a scoop of dirt. But I guess, you know, it's going to be so expensive, you might as well get some high-value yeah, stuff. Yeah, right. And another thing is, you know, if if your sample return mission fails, you can always go back and do it again. You know, if if, if for, right. for whatever reason, your sample return lander doesn't land correctly or whatever it's supposed to do. I suppose... I think it's probably harder to. I think the getting back into orbit is probably harder than landing. But getting back in the or- orbit is the easy part on Mars. Yeah, Mars is you know much lower gravity than Earth, and you don't have to. See, you're saying it's gonna it's harder to land on Mars than it is to get back into very, orbit. Very, very much so. Yes, with an automated system that far away. Yes, okay. absolutely. Landing on Mars is one of the hardest landings in the system. Okay, because. There's just enough atmosphere you have to deal with it. And there's not enough to slow you down. Enough. So you have to ultimately come down in rockets at some point because parachutes, it, it's too thin mm-hmm. for parachutes to really get you slow enough like they like they can on Earth or Venus or Titan or whatever. But 
it's there's enough atmosphere that you can't just drop down like you can with the moon right because it's going to get too hot you're going to okay. so it it is really probably the toughest landing in the solar system that's a good point yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because, I mean, Mercury is no atmosphere, just like the moon. And Venus and Earth and Titan and... All super thick atmosphere is enough mm-hmm. that you can, you know, essentially let your let the parachutes get you down without uh, significant problems. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other moons that have atmospheres light atmospheres like probably none of them are significant enough right none of them are yeah probably not i mean not to the level you know not to mars where it's about one percent the the density of earth it's just 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 makes everything so much more difficult makes sense makes sense never appreciated that cool i think that calls for some beer let's do some beers